All right, so welcome to the Flippin' SoFlo podcast. I have today Pace Morby, know this guy for about four and a half years, seen the trajectory that he's been on. Honestly, probably one of the most humble, nicest people that I've ever met, and one of the most sharp people as well in terms of real estate. And the thing I admire the most about him um, is his discipline. Your consistency and discipline. We were just talking about that off camera that you are you you will show up even though you suck, but you will consistently suck. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm all about consistently sucking. I, I, what I don't want to do is like intermittently be be awesome. I want to be consistently <laughs> horrible. At least I show up all the time, right? I love it. I love it. Well, listen, man. Thank you for being here. Um, I love it. It's 7:30 a.m. on Saturday, and this dude's here. He didn't even bat it. So when we get it done, bro, this is when you get all the stuff done. I was actually thinking this morning, bro, um, I'm making money today from work I put in 10 years ago. And more importantly, I'm making money today from failures I had 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, right? And right. I think a lot of the topics that you talk about, like how to make money in today's market, like there's so many people on YouTube that will just say, the market's going to crash or the market's going up. It's like, great, tell people how to actually make money no matter what the market's doing, right? Like right. that's what people really need. But it's interesting, a lot of people that are in your position, my position, it's obvious to us that you got to go put in the work and you've got to be consistent, whether you're horrible at it or not. You oh, just yeah. got to be consistent. And sometimes it takes three, four, five years to have these moments where you're like, wait, I made this much money this year? Oh my gosh, how is that possible? And you think you just, something just turned on. But the reality is it's just the compound effect of consistency. I agree, dude. We were talking about, you know, I think the, the example that most people can relate with is physical fitness, right? The gym or what have you. And honestly, you know, I was fat, I'm not ashamed to say it, about three years ago. I was like 243 pounds and it wasn't a good 243. I'm six foot, so I'm a big dude, but <laughs> it was it was a no bueno 243. And, you know, typical example, business took off, money's good, all these years of hard work, and I'm just like, steak dinners, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and I'll, I'll get to work it out when I get to working out. But it took me, no lie, about 18 months of six days a week with dialing in my macros and you know, the hormones and all that stuff that we were just talking about and a lot of pain with a personal trainer to even get to where I started feeling like, hey, I look really good. Yeah, I went from a size 38, 40 to a 34. And I was like, wow, that took a hell of a long time. Yeah, but the, the moral of the story is I was like, let's not ever do that again. Let's yeah. not do that again. You well, know? It's not just the weight. It's also the mental clarity that you get from working out and like, you know, there's this book called Eat the Frog or Swallow the Frog, mm -hmm. where the parable is if you had to eat a frog every day, but um, if you didn't, you would die at the end of the day. When would you eat the frog? Would you wait until the last minute to eat the frog or would you get it done first thing in the morning? Just go, man, all right, I'm good. Like I ate the frog. I'm done. Now I can do whatever I want all day long. So what I align that with is when you go to, you work out or you do some of the things like I, I took notes today before we actually you know, t are going to talk today, talk about things I do consistently that show up, you know, years later. Mm -hmm. When you knock those things out first thing in the morning, one, the hard things that you are avoiding, they get done. You don't procrastinate anymore. And two, you feel so good the rest of the day that you actually have more creative ideas. You're more collaborative with people. Your, your self-esteem is through the roof. So you're more kind and friendly to other people. Everything in your life compounds in a positive way when you just get those things done. 
And, you know, that 18 months of your journey of losing weight and, and getting your strength back was probably more mental than it was physical. 100%. And I mean, I think entrepreneurs as well, your physical fitness, mental fitness translates directly into financial fitness is what I say. Uh, so I, I can't tell you how many times I meet a guy or a girl that looks good, feels good, and plays good, as Prime says. You know, and, and it's really true. And it's not surprising that you see people aesthetically, that they look good, and then you're like, well, turns out that guy's doing really well in his life, or that girl's doing really good in her life. Financially, whatever, whether it's real estate related or not, or it could be a podcast, it could be whatever. They're usually pretty good parents. They're usually pretty good husbands, wives, whatever, because they're showing up in every aspect of their life, and, and that's kind of their general mantra. Yeah, it's discipline, bro. Discipline. Discipline. So speaking of discipline, let's, so one of the things I want to do is obviously the first time you and I met was at Supergroup, which was a very long time ago. It feels like yeah. forever ago. Yeah. Supergroup. Scott Oots, good, good friend. Awesome guy. Awesome dude. I love Oots. Oots, if you're listening, big kiss to you. So by the way, before I forget, Mark Evans says, what's up? He told me. I love no. Mark Evans. He, another person I've, I've paid as a mentor Yeah, probably six years ago. And I was in his little warehouse. I paid him 2,500 bucks to do a social. He was basically doing a branding day for 2,500 bucks. Yep. And I met some of the coolest people in that event, like Donovan, um, uh, Donnie, Donnie Ruffin. I met yep. a bunch of other people in that room that all ended up being like big players in the field years later. And so shout out to Mark Evans for, for creating a lot of badasses. Yeah. I just joined his mastermind. Um, yeah, I've been following Mark for a long time. Him and I have always had interactions, and you know, he was finally like, "Dude, are you gonna do it or what?" And I'm like, "You know what? You're right. It's exactly what I need in my life." You know, um, and it's good. I'm sure you would agree. It's good to get out of only real estate focused masterminds too. Like at some point, you need to go into different verticals, different worlds, because you know you're having different conversations, so you start to think differently. Yeah, I you know to be honest with you, where I'm at for people that don't know. Um, they can go YouTube or Google and figure out where I'm at, but I've got ha half a billion dollars in real estate. I've got 2,100 rentals and I look at it and I go, I don't need more real estate help. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. the help I need today is not like, how do I go find a deal? It's not, how do I track my KPIs? It's not, how do I go and, and manage properties and do refinances and extract capital from houses, cash, you know, tax-free. It's not any of that stuff. I haven't needed help with that really for three years maybe four years, but what I really need is to learn how to be a better leader. And mm. I find that the best mastermind that I go to, I, I pay a hundred grand to go to a mastermind yearly. And the people in that mastermind, the filter is if you're not making $5 million a year or more, you're not allowed to, you don't even get invited. Mm. I go to that mastermind, there's like two real estate people and then a hundred different, you know, different niches of businesses, like everything you can imagine. I sit in that and I go, wow, I just learned everything I wish I'd learned five years ago when I was going through my real estate journey. And so I, I, my, one of my big fallacies is I did only real estate masterminds, ran real estate masterminds, and I stayed in that niche, but I was missing out on all the leadership and company building and how to set up a company to sell it at some point and all of these aspects that make people a hundred million dollars or $200 million and that kind of stuff. So, um, you're right. It's it's great. And I, what I love about Mark Evans is he talks a lot about things that are not real estate related. Obviously, he's a real estate guy at heart, but he does talk a lot about things that are not real estate related, which is nice to you know be a part of a mastermind like that. 
Yeah, I agree. So look, speaking of that, I highly doubt most people won't know you, especially my followers. But for anyone who doesn't know, you were, let's go back to a little bit of just lightly touch on your beginning because a lot of people can find it on a lot of different interviews. I want to dive deeper into like your mindset and discipline, what's gotten you here and what keeps you going. Because as you know, getting there is actually easier than staying there. You know? Yeah. Um, that's a really good point because there's new challenges, new issues, new problems, new, like I have a separation of a partnership going on right now. That's a partner that I've been with for a long time. And that's literally something that happened three days ago. That was just this come to Jesus meeting that you think everybody, everything two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, everything's going to be hunky dory, peachy, amazing. Um, the way you, you built it, you built this perfect machine. And then you get to a point where you're like, man, you're not going the same direction I want to go. And if I don't change this and we don't have a hard conversation, we're going to keep putting this off for another year. Well, guess what? I didn't put it up for a year. I put it off for two. And then I finally had that conversation on Thursday. So there's things today that I'm dealing with that I had no idea I was going to have to be dealing with 10 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, my journey came from a family of 12 kids. Most important thing I ever learned was hard work and to love hard work. I, I love working hard. It's like people go, you're crazy. You're nonstop. I'm like, like what else are y'all doing? Like, I don't, I don't know what anybody else, I don't feel like I'm working that hard. Even when I'm putting in 14, 16 hour days, I've figured out how to integrate my wife and my kids and everything into my, all my life. My CPA says to me, the only thing you don't write off which means everything in my life, expenses, even groceries, lingerie for my wife, literally everything is a write-off because of the way that I've structured my life. Why are my groceries a write-off? Because my wife is my business partner in one of my businesses. So our food and our meals that we share together is a write-off. Why is my wife's lingerie um, part of a, a write-off as well? Because I've structured my wife to be on my TV show. So all clothes that I buy, every a piece of apparel I buy for her is a wardrobe write-off. Like Literally everything in my life is integrated into work because I love it so much. Yeah. Some people go, oh, you need time off. Bro, time off? I, I, I'm living in my time off right now, and I'll tell you why. Right. Learned work ethic, but sadly I learned another thing from my father, which was to trade my time for money, and I learned how to be a contractor. And I started a construction business when I was young, 22, 23, Never was a job person. I could never stay at a job. I worked at GoDaddy when I was in my early 20s for like three weeks. And I was just like, y'all are crazy to be like sitting in the same seat all the time. This, I just can't do this. Mm -hmm. I'm allergic to a job. So I build this construction company. I very quickly realized I'm never going to escape this, even though I'm making, you know, really, really good money. My first million dollar take home was in 2013. So 10 years ago. And that was my construction business. That was also the same year I made my, 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 um, I guess my step into real estate. And what I was doing as a co contractor is I would work for open door offer pad Zillow. A lot of the big hedge funds would hire me to do all their turns. So they'd buy a property. I'd do the carpet paint da, 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 da. and I had a crew of like 250 people and I was in three or four different States. So I was making good money, right? Really going crazy. Some days, some days, literally there's a couple of days a week sometimes that I wouldn't sleep. And then I'd have to catch up and I'd just learning all the lessons. One day I had a lady that was a client of mine. I was flipping houses for her. I was her contractor and I, she, I would use my crews to flip her houses. Right. And she comes to me and very, very short story. She gets me my first deal. She comes to me and she says, you're an idiot. Being a contractor is a job. You're a slave to my business. You don't own anything. If the construction world shuts off or regulation happens, or let's say I don't hire you. 
And then she stops. She goes, actually, let me tell you something. You are literally a simple Google search away from me just replacing you with a different contractor. Like you are not that uh, special. Yeah. That's a light bulb. It's a light bulb. It was a punch in the face. And then she also told me, I go, so what, what should I do? Like become a real estate agent? She's like, real estate agents are the most replaceable human beings on planet earth. Like, why would you be an agent? I was like, I don't know how to get into real estate. This was literally 11 years ago. And, you know, I'm touching all this real estate. I'm renovating all this real estate. So I know everything about properties and sure. permits and architecture and all this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm the best of the best at that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how, where money came from. I didn't know where deals came from. I just knew that I was doing a lot of construction for a lot of people doing a lot of deals. And I was like, I kind of felt like I was JVing with them, joint mm -hmm. venturing. And I kind of convinced myself and lied to myself that I was also in real estate. So I just kept kicking the can down the road. And this lady, Bethany, um, bless her heart. She basically sits me on the back of my truck on the tailgate, says, pull open your damn phone where I'm going to show you how to send out mailers. And I'm like, I kept asking all these questions and why, what, when, why? And she's like, shut up, you asshole. She called me an asshole. <laughs> this lady, bro, she's, this lady's a gangster. She's just like straight up. She was like the mom I needed, the mother I needed to push me. And this is 2013, correct? 2013, yeah, 2013. Um, and she goes, S how much money do you have? Now, I don't do postcards anymore. It's too competitive in, in that business, but, um, it did at the time, 10 years ago, postcards in Phoenix, Arizona, they worked. Yeah. I s spent 5,000 bucks that month. I got three cash wholesale deals. I made $50,000. Bethany bought all my deals. So I didn't have to learn paperwork contracts. I didn't have to do anything other than just go talk to sellers and figure out what their problem was. No dispo. You just. Nothing. She, she sure. comped the properties for me. She told me what to pay. She told me what to say. She told me, I, I like, I, I really felt the, the, the weight and the power of having a mentor at that time. Sure. And I opened these three contracts. I talked to a title rep and I didn't know what a title rep was. I didn't know what an escrow officer was. I didn't know the difference between, between title and escrow. I didn't even know the difference between those two for like three more years, right? Mm -hmm. And the escrow officer that I was opening those files with, those three files, her name is Eileen Brown. And this lady single-handedly takes me under her wing and she teaches me everything for about creative finance for a couple of years. I started doubling my revenue immediately and everybody in town started asking me, like, how the hell are you doing so many deals as like a brand new person? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm just doing half my deals are cash and half my deals are creative finance. So like, where are you getting your creative finance deals? I'm like, the people that cash deals don't work for. Like, I, are all of you guys doing this? And I became, I just didn't know any other way, right? And um, compounded in that. And then one day, bro, this is how messed up my mindset was. Hmm. For five years, I kept my construction company while I was running my real estate business simultaneously. I was so addicted to having a, like, my construction company is like, I have my own business, but really what I was doing, Will, is I was actually putting my risk in somebody else's basket and like hoping that their fix and flip business would mitigate my risks. Wow. And I was just being a sissy. I was just being a sissy. I should have quit way earlier. So this is what happened. The universe comes to me and the universe says, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? This is five years and four months ago. I'm going to get your biggest client to go belly up and you're, he's going to file bankruptcy to the tune of $16 million. And you're going to get a letter on the day your daughter's born. And wow. so I was, I, yeah, it was horrible. I had to sell, I was acquiring rentals, sub two and seller finance. I had 43 rentals at the time. I was building a house. I was doing all sorts of stuff. 
this guy single-handedly takes my construction company that he owed me millions of dollars on, files bankruptcy on me, and I just go, oh, that was a sign. The, the, the universe told me that I'm an idiot. Why the hell am I in construction? And so I sold, I called Jamil, you know Jamil Damjay, called yeah. Jamil, I go, sell all 43 of my rentals this week. I want you to dispo them to your, your, your cash buyers list. I'll sell them 80 cents on the dollar. I need the cash out of these deals. I'm going to go and pay all my guys and take care of business. And I'm going to shut my construction company down. I'm going to double, double down on real estate. So five years ago, like 64 months ago, I had no money and I had to start all the way over with just the understanding of creative finance. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to do cash deals anymore. I'm just going to go after creative finance deals. And since then, 60 months later, we've got 2,100 rentals in our portfolio and half a billion dollars later, I got a team and nine companies with 600 employees between all of them. And you know, combined our businesses do like 120 to $130 million a year in revenue. It's wow. crazy. Crazy. Let me, let me just be the first to say, so I met you, we're probably coming up on five years, honestly. That, yeah, that I, was, I was going through one of the, and I just didn't show it, but I was going through my rebuild phase at that time. I love it, dude. Look, and I got to say to the, anybody that's watching or listening to this right now, first of all, I resonate, appreciate you sharing that. Second of all, uh, I resonate with you a lot because when you met me, I had a partner about a year ago and some change. We had a not so nice business divorce, uh, not one, but I had to have two because there was two partners. So that sucked. <laughs> That'll slow you down a little bit. And I really had to rebuild everything um, that we were building for six years, right? We scaled up to $7 million a year in wholesaling. One, can I ask you a question about that? Go ahead. Here's, here's the question, right? So like I had, a, I had a partner that I now, looking back, I blame myself for everything. It was 100% my fault. So do I. At the time, I blamed him. And here, here's why. He wasn't the right guy. He was horrible at what I brought him in to do, but guess what? I'm the one that w that brought him on. I'm the one that gave him the opportunity. I'm the one that put him on a pedestal. I'm the one that put these things in his lap and I put him on the wrong seat on the bus. In fact, he shouldn't have been on the bus in the first place. Mm. So I now back in self-reflection, look at it and I go, I, I was horrible because I chose the wrong person and I put this guy who did not have these skill sets in the wrong seat on the wrong bus. I wake up later, I'm more of a leader, and I realize, hey, it's all me. I got to point everything back on myself. So you not, So here's my question. So you look back on these partnerships, right? Year and a half ago, year ago, you broke up with two partners. Do you now look at it and you go, if I was a better leader, we could have saved it, or hey, it was inevitable that there's no way I could have saved this. It was just, you know, we were wanting two different things. If I was more mature, maybe I would have overcome this, better communication. If they were more mature... We had a great business who so just, what do you think it really was? It's a very simple answer. And I, I've been reflecting on this one for over a year. So I got a little bit more time than you on that one. Um, it boils down to self-worth and self-value. I didn't have enough of it at the time that we founded the company. We were both broke and we rode that wave up. Um, as a leader, of course, I could have been better. But looking back at that, the only way I could have salvaged that, which would have never worked for them, I mistaked a partner for what should have really been an employee. And I, they were not driving the companies as I was, and it sounds like you were. And I did wake up one day, and of course, I had my own personal faults and all that. And I was not a perfect partner either. I definitely could have been a better leader, but I was the CEO of the company since the beginning, the visionary, everything. It did fall on me. 
And the reality is I woke up one day and I was like, man, there's just no way this can continue because now I'm harboring feelings of resentment. There's feelings of resentment on both sides. And I'm like, dude, you know what? It's going to suck. And I knew that, I think, subconsciously. Like, okay, this is never going to be clean. We had a bunch of rentals. We had 27 properties in the pipeline. I mean, it was it was messy, right? And, dude, you know, in come the lawsuits after that. And, and you know, navigated through that and thankfully, you know, got through it, bought them both out, and that was that. But it's a self-worth thing, and it's definitely looking back and saying, I need to value myself. And be very, very sure why you're bringing in a partner or why you're partnering to begin with. And if you do have a partner like that, make sure that the equity is split between the value that's being put in. That's and more importantly, the what they bring to the table is in writing. So I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. So a very similar story. I have a partner that before I met him couldn't pay his rent, right? And I, I was already doing real estate successfully. I was already on podcasts. I was doing all the things. And this partner... Um, and I, we built our wholesale business, our rental portfolio. I think together we have like 50 rentals. I have, you know, most of my rentals, 95% of them are just in my own portfolio. Um, but it was, it was good because where we started from was a beginning company. Right. And Mm -hmm. so everything was obviously good. Then you hit a point where you're either going to plateau or you're going to go to the next level. And the only way to go to the next level is not more visionary activity. It's the other partner needs to step up and actually run the show while the visionary comes up with new ideas or brings in more revenue or does what, what, whatever. And so I think it's inevitable. I think to some degree you have to go through some of these partnerships. If I could have done things differently, I would have held both of our, cause I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, which is why you put, you know, you put this, this content out there and you talk about these podcasts is if I could go back, I would have made sure that I had an operating agreement that stated, um, that every year we had to update what our roles and responsibilities and our trackable mm-hmm. KPIs were as individual partners, because what happens as a visionary is the visionary brings so much to the table that is obvious stuff, right? Like you come up with a new idea, you recruit people, you raise money, you you do a lot of the sales, you're the negotiator, you're the company culture, like all the excitement and the the vortex of energy comes from the visionary. It's very obvious stuff, right? Then it's the person who's the integrator who's running the behind the scenes stuff that you don't really see that often. The only time you don't know it's not working is when you're trying to grow the company, but you keep hitting a ceiling. That's not the visionary problem. That's the integrator problem who's not running the back end of the show. Mm -hmm. And so if I could have gone back, I would have redone the operating agreement every year and said, all right, we're doing our yearly planning. Let's go through our roles and responsibilities. Um, if we're going to have these goals for the upcoming year, how are your roles and responsibilities and how are those activities tracked so that if you're not getting the job done, I can come to you and say, hey, you're not getting the job done. We need to separate and here's my proof and here's my this and it's in writing. That is not what I had in this partnership. And so I'm, I'm you know, a lot of those handshake conversations like we're going to be partners forever and this is going to be amazing forever. Yeah. Nah, nah, dog, it ain't going to be, it ain't going to be good forever. So real world. You know, there was a couple of years ago where I had another partner. We've separated from him now, but there was another partner we had that was in our business. And luckily, I had already learned those lessons by this time. So this was just a couple of years ago. And the partner was, we have a virtual assistant company and the partner, our third partner, had roles, responsibilities put in the operating agreement. He didn't do them. So in the operating agreement, I wrote, all I have to do is give you a 30-day warning that you're not getting the job done. 
And after the 30 days, if you're not getting your very specific roles and responsibilities done, I send one email to our attorney and they pull you out of the company. That's it. Wow. Really? Boom, done, out, really? on. It I mean, was literally dude. an email, not even a phone call. Didn't even have to call. I was just like, hey, this is happening. We're pulling you out of the business. We pulled them out with a simple email because the paperwork was done right. But I didn't know this stuff. And you didn't know this stuff either. And so Hell no. You set up agreements based on handshakes and this, that, and the other. Yeah, we got an LLC. LLC doesn't mean shit. No, agreed. What means something is an operating agreement and, and standardizing who's in charge of what. And I didn't do that. Sounds like you didn't do that either. No shot. Listen, when, when we started the company, we were both flat broke. We were getting into real estate. I literally walked into his bedroom. He was playing Madden in his underwear. And I was like, be ready tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. We're getting into real estate. Shut the door and walked out. That was right. in 2017 or something. I mean, that's how it went down. So, no, not a lot of planning. So, people that are listening, you don't know what you don't know. It pays to pay people that know what you don't know, which is mentorships and stuff like that and masterminds, et cetera, and to learn from guys like Pace and I so you don't have to make that mistake. And the most important thing, get it in writing. Get it in writing. Yeah. And have the have a have a challenging conversation up front, not a an impossible one later, right? And that's what happens is that harbors resentment because ultimately as you both grow, the company grows. I'm gonna tell you something. Look at Jeff Bezos, right? Founder of Amazon. Guess what he's not doing anymore? He's not the CEO. He stepped down as the CEO of Amazon because he says somebody else can do it better than me. There's going to come a point where you become the owner, not the CEO. You're going to become the person that's the passive person and owns this business at some point. That's the goal. That's the hope. And if you don't have people that are being replaced every six to 18 months at, that at, at the very top, you will, you will be limited by the people at the top. It's called the, the um, jar, the lid test, right? Have you ever seen this video of they put these little jumping critters inside of a glass mason jar with a cap? And when they put the critters in there at first, they're jumping in and out and they're going above the mason jar, like maybe two inches. They're coming out of the mason jar. They're coming back down. They're jumping up and down, but down. Then somebody puts a lid on them and they bounce and they bounce and they bounce. They keep hitting the lid. So what they do is they then lower how high they're jumping in their effort. And then what they do is they take the lid off. Guess what happens? They don't jump high anymore. They don't jump high anymore. No. And so what happens is the leadership in your company has to be replaced or upgraded. And if your partner you partner with is not upgrading along with you and you're outpacing them. That's a problem. It's a major problem. And this is where the resentment comes from. And that's what happened to you a year and a half ago. You get to the point of resentment like, bro, this is not fair to me. You're taking half of the money I'm doing 78% of the work. I'm working Saturdays, Sundays, weekends. I'm doing all this extra stuff on my extra time. You're working nine to four and barely getting your job done. Oh, God. You're bringing I'm back speaking. memories for me. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting. It's interesting that, and what happens is when you're somebody like you or me, you have high energy and you make it look easy. Here's what ends up happening. You want, this is a great quote. You want to know how to make a man. Um, you want to know how to cripple a man? Give him crutches. Think about that for a second. Take a healthy man, hand him crutches. Very soon he's going to be walking with these crutches, right? So you, you give somebody something that makes their life easy, it cripples them. And yep. so that could be me. That could be you, Willie, right? It could be you. It could be you going into the partnership and making everything easy, making it look easy. And that partner 
grows to believe and poison their brain to believe they're doing 50% and you're doing 50% because you make your shit look so easy. Yep. That's messed up. You nailed it. You nailed it. And, and it was actually one of our last conversations. I didn't think we were going to get into this. This is great. One of our last conversations was, dude, you've coattailed off of me for so long. It's yeah. crazy to me that we've been rolling together for six years. You don't even know what the dispo department does. That's baffling to me. That, that should be embarrassing to you, as a matter of fact, because we've been, you know, 500 plus deals later. And then, you know, of course, then the resentment and that twisted psyche was, well, that's your fault because I always relied on you for that. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that's your excuse? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? So, dude, accountability. Look, leadership comes from the top down. I believe that 100%. Um, attitude reflects leadership. Uh, I've been a bad leader at times in my organization. And obviously, I, you know, I'm sure you have too, right? We're all human. Oh, yeah. We've done it. Uh, but the idea is you learn from it, you move on, and you either, you do have a realization, which it definitely seems, it sounds like to me, you've already had that, where you know in your company, I've heard you talk about it on videos too, where you're like, there's somebody that can do this 10 times better than me. They're smarter than me and they're yes. better than me. And that yeah. takes maturity. As, as an entrepreneur. And honestly, it takes like a, a, a mentor or it takes a mastermind to go to that somebody's already gone through and they go, dude, you're in, you are the problem in your biggest company or you're the biggest problem in your company right now is your company can't grow because you have not personally developed to the person that you need to be or you don't have the skill sets nor will you ever have the skill sets that will take that company to the next level. You built it, it's yours, step out. And somebody says to me, they go, does the owner of the subway, like the whole company, do they come in and like serve the sandwiches? Absolutely not. I'm like, no, that sounds stupid. He's like, do the franchisees, the ones that own the individual franchisees or franchises, do they make the sandwiches? I'm like, I think in the beginning, they're like, yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Like the owners are not in there making the sandwiches. They buy the thing, they get the store going, they hire employees and they create literally a freaking like conveyor belt of making money mm -hmm. and they're out. And they're doing next thing. And so for me as a visionary, um, you know, you get really good at business after being consistent, fail, f consistently failing every day. You get really, really good at finding, spotting, and identifying new opportunities to make money. You bring those to partners that can't handle it because they can barely handle what you gave them four years ago, five years ago, whatever. And you just go, this isn't fair to me. Yeah, I, I, my self-worth is way higher than this. And I'll tell you right now, Will, the same, same thing for me. There were times when I started businesses from scratch with business, business partners and you felt equal because the bank account was zero. Yeah. But then you wake up and you go, man, there's a couple hundred thousand dollars in that bank account, a couple million dollars in that bank account. We got this many rentals. We got this going on. We got this going on. And you go, literally 95% of the income that comes into this company has come from my efforts. Mm-hmm. And you go, this isn't fair. And you do have to understand that. And, th and that self-worth that you talked about a little bit earlier. Now, when people come and partner with me, they come to me and go, hey, I got an idea. I want to partner with you. I go, perfect. I'll take 90%. You take 10% until you show me that you deserve the other 40%. That's but I wouldn't have known that. But, but that's, dude, it, like, it is true. Uh, it would be like coming to Jeff Bezos and saying, hey, dude. Uh, I, I got this new idea for a company that's going to ship items. All right. And I want you to be involved and da -da -da -da, this is how we're going to do it. And Jeff Bezos is going to be like, awesome. So I'll take 98 and you take two and you're like, 
how dare you? He's like, you're kidding, right? Like, yeah, well, listen here. That's a good analogy. Think about this analogy. Jeff Bezos, in the very beginning of launching Amazon, right, gave up 10 per, no, he gave up like 20% of the company for a million dollars. Yep. Why? Because even though he knew it was going to be successful and profitable, he didn't realize at the time what skill sets, what natural drive he had that he was just going to overcome every single obstacle in the future and turn this into a, the like a trillion dollar company. He didn't know it was going to be as big as it was. He had no idea. Of so it's the same thing of when you give up something in the very beginning of a business and you think it's equal and it's not. You just don't know. Like, same thing with you, bro. You didn't know that you were, for four or five, six years, you were going to be this behemoth that just overcame every single obstacle and just push your sales team, push your dispo team, push all these people every single day. And it's your personality, your charisma that you were born with, that you honed and refined, that got people excited to do their job and built the company culture. And then one day you're, you wake up and you go, dude, if I leave this company in a week, things go like this. If you leave this company in a week nothing happens you know it's so funny that you say that and this will kind of close off this topic and head to another one but i actually did that because i was i was threatened by both partners and they're like dude we could do your job and and do it better we don't need you and that was our last Ooh. conversation and i said in will fashion i said you know what dude i'm sick and tired of this shit sick and tired of going back and forth with you guys so here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take a month hiatus. Don't worry about where I'm going. Don't worry about what I'm doing. The one thing you do have to worry about is the fact that my phone's going to be off to all emails, all phone calls from all employees, and the title company and everything. If I come back in a month and there's more revenue and you guys didn't fuck everything up, I will give you all my equity in the company for free. I'll give it to you. And they were all excited and jacked. Day 13 of me being out. Seven deals blew up before I knew it. And my own attorney, Gus, shout out, he remembers this. He called me and he's like, hey, you got to get the fuck back in here. I don't know what those clowns are doing over there because this is a problem. And it started to become a real problem. And I had to step back in. And when I stepped back in, I took more equity. I took more salary. And I told him, I was like, you guys done fucking around? Because I'm done with this shit. I don't want to hear it anymore. All right. And what it kept, it kept going, you kept that partnership going for a couple more years or what happened? We kept it going. The one partner, which bought in years later, he stayed around for another four months. Him and I did not see eye to eye. He was out. I voted him out uh, in an actual like shareholders meeting. And then uh, my other partner, um, who I co founded it with, we ended up parting ways about eight months later. And it was very nasty. Yeah. It just, uh, you look at that, you know, I've got, multiple partnerships i just i've got one that just recently i've had some hard conversations with I, and him and i it's not that he's not good at certain things there's two businesses that we're running together that i'm like it's not your core it's not your core strength i need sure. you to take these businesses and take them to a different partner who it is their core strength but i i look at that and i go i let it go on too long i let it go on for two years too long i knew it like inside of you you knew it Will, like you knew before you took the month hiatus, you probably oh, yeah. a year before. Oh yeah. You just were like, it'll work itself out. It's this, it's, it's currently the status quo right now. I'm just going to let it ride. It'll work itself out and I'll overcome this by working even harder. That was probably the mindset, right? That's identical. And you know what? It was uh misplaced loyalty yeah. is what, is what it was. And I am loyal to fault. I'm sure you are too. 
and it was misplaced loyalty. And yeah. honestly, as entrepreneurs, we want to believe we're problem solvers, right? At heart. That's what we are. Yeah. And we sometimes, more often than not, we actually start our own problems, we fix our own problems, and then we we think we deserve a medal for it. It's kind of how we work, which is fucked up. But the reality is, um, I should have just called it, you know, could have, should have, would have. But looking back at it now, reflectively, I should have been like, you know what? The fact that both of my partners have this animosity towards me and they feel this way, this is headed down a road that I don't want to be. So why don't you guys buy me out now and I'm out? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, the visionaries are a little bit chaotic, right? We're, we yeah. are the ones that are like, all the money comes from me. And it does. In the very beginning, the visionary is the one that is relied on for the majority of the money. Um, the integrators are supposed to support that. And then the integrators are supposed to say, all right, Will, in 18 months, we want you out of the business, but your job is to go and find new businesses for us to start and go um, find new revenue streams that will bolster this existing business. So for example, if I'm running a wholesale business, run that for a couple of years, then go and buy a title company so you can send your files there and then tell everybody else in town that that's the title company that you use. So everybody else uses that title company and give them ownership of that title company, right? So that's that's what I did, right? I ran a wholesale business. I identified a title company. I got ownership of that title company, gave half of it to my partner. He then didn't do anything with the title company. See, but that, I think that's the key word right there. You said the word gave. Right, and I, I, I took a, pro, a personality profile test uh, called Clifton Strengths a couple of months ago. Yeah. And in my, there's the, one of the greatest personality profile, t t the best. Better than BI? Oh, better, way better. Okay. It, is, it is so much more in depth, and what it does is identifies the 34 strengths a human being has. Okay. And it basically ranks them, like here's your top strengths. Some of those strengths can be major, major weaknesses, but one of my biggest strengths is called the includer. And I, I want to include people. I want everybody to win. So I'll give somebody half of it just to go, hey, I'm going to give you half of this thing so that you're excited about doing it with me and I'll include them way beyond what I should. <laughs> and then one day, years later, you go, dude, this isn't working out. You're not doing your job. I have to take this thing out and give this to somebody else. And all of a sudden, instead of them going, you know what, dude, you're right. I you shouldn't have given me 50% in the first place. I did a shit job at managing it. I, g I gave you b bad attitude. I didn't work on myself. And I you were making me so much money and you made my life so easy. Yeah. I don't deserve it. And you should take it. And thank you for making me money for the two years that you allowed me to do that. That's not the conversation that you have. The conversation no. you have is, yo, F you, dude. Are you kidding me? This is BS. And you're... D -d 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 <laughs> yeah. It's because they're like Gollum with the Lord of the Ring, that that ring, you are the ring, Will. Your revenue that you generate is the ring and your partners are Gollum. Like, oh my precious. <laughs> they feel like they they feel like they example. own you. They oh, feel yeah. like they own you. And when you make a departure, that fear of loss and that actual loss causes lawsuits, animosity, anger. Oh yeah. And instead of them being an adult and saying, you shouldn't have given this to me in the first place, let's restructure this. And I'm okay taking less because you do bring more to the table here. Um, that's not what happens. Human nature kicks in, right? Kanye West had one of the greatest lines on on a rap song a couple years ago. In the song, he says, uh, "You telling me I don't bring nothing to the table? I am the table. Mm. That's by I am the table. And so, uh, same thing with you, Will. Like you, you know that when you go to into a room, you are the table." 
You're the one that brings the meat, the potatoes, the, the all the money flows from your ideas, your brain, the opportunities you go scrounge up and then you give to somebody else as an opportunity to handle, right? Yeah. So it, it's tough. It's a tough position to be in. Now, what's interesting is when you start your journey, all you're worried about is where am I getting that first deal? Where am I getting yeah. that next deal? Where am I getting that? How how'd I scale to this? And then you don't realize you're going to run into big, big problems later down the road. And it's all personal development. It's a journey of self-discovery every single day. And some people listening to this are like, oh, damn, this is scary. Guys, there's not a single business you're going to jump into that will not be exactly like this. That's a fact. And look, a business is a representation and a reflection of the individual who started it and runs it. Remember that. Um, that is a fact. That's why you see so many people that are shit shows in their personal lives go to their business. They're usually shit shows. It is what it is. I mean, it's, it's a reflection of it. Right. So, but I will say, man, like the mindset that you need to have to, and continue to develop that, that was a big fault. And I'm sure you've seen it. I know for a fact, you've been pouring millions probably at this point into your personal development between mentorships and masterminds and yeah. partnership splits and deal splits and and you know just things that you do to have people that are where you want to be or have what you want pour into you right yeah. like i just did it with mark evans i love the guy i followed the guy for six years now he's really pouring into me why number one because i firmly believe i finally earned a position to be there number two it's it's a mutual beneficial interest of it. But I'm also, I, I do believe that, and, and I'd love your take on this, but I do believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Right. I I, I do agree with that. I, I think the other thing is that when you are ready and you pay to be in a room, you show the teacher that you're ready by your actions, right? Because there's a lot of people in your DMs so many people in my DMs, so many, all these, Mark, Evan, you imagine what Mark Evan gets on a daily basis in DMs. Sure. Let me work for you for free. I will shine your shoes for free. I will do this for free. It's like, bro, if you haven't figured out how to bring value to a situation, I don't know how to filter whether you're serious or not. There was an interesting part of my life where I kind of went out of my way. This is probably about seven years ago. I was in real estate and construction. So I'd get people that were DMing me, Pace, how are you doing these wholesale deals? How are you doing creative finance? And how are you doing so many sub two deals? I'll come work with you. I'll shadow you. I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll go to job sites with you. I'll pick up the thing. I'll do it. It's like, all right, don't free labor. Why not? And dude, every single time it ended in absolute despair because these people have no actual like proof that they've ever done anything. So what's yep. cool is you have earned a spot. And then you show Mark by cutting a check. I cut checks all the time for a mentorship and, um, and masterminds. There is the best money I spend on a yearly basis. Yeah. And I'm showing the other person, yo, I'm here. I'm ready and I'm committed. And then that person goes, damn, you are committed. You're ready to go. I'm going to pour my time and energy into you versus somebody that's just in some DMs or some YouTube comments that are like, hey, I wish I, you know, I'll come work for you. I'll shine your shoes for free. It's like, bro, there is no filter there. They don't, they don't even let people into Costco without 99 bucks a year. You know what I'm saying? Listen, man, those who pay, pay attention. I love that expression. That's a fact. Anytime I've ever paid for something, I'm like this, sitting up at the room, like prim and proper, and I'm like, I'm ready to go, right? And when some people are given something or, hey, let me just throw you a bone, the dynamic how human beings work, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But let, let's talk about, all right, so you have $450 million 
AUMs, right? Assets under management pretty much right now. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but 100% or very near 100% all through creative? Uh, yeah, probably 98%, something like that. All 98%. I mean, I just saw you bought a badass ranch in Montana. You know, I was just in Montana. My girl's from Montana, so uh, I love Montana. Um, but the discipline that you have, because, okay, I met you five years ago. I remember, and I, and I don't even know if you remember this, but I remember this very well because things, weird things stick with me. And I remember at the end of that mastermind, everybody went to go party, typical mastermind shit, right? We had to go party, do the thing. This was in Miami. And you took off the next day at like 5 a.m. with Jamil. Yeah. And I remember this because I remember talking to you about that. And I was not in the same mindset at the time, obviously. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, where are you guys going at 5 a.m.? And you're like, oh, no, we got a rental car. We're driving up to Orlando for a meetup that we're hosting <laughs> at 9 a.m. Yes. You do remember that. And yeah, I remember, well, I remember all of that stuff. That was also the trip where, you know, at the time Jamil and I, you know, we didn't, nobody really knew us in a big, big way. Like in the real estate world, people knew who we were and whatnot, but we had been doing those meetups for two years prior to this. So I remember if this was five years ago, roughly that we'd been doing it for like two years prior. And we were just doing Pace and Jamil do America. We would just fly on our own dime, go speak at Ria's, and we'd do these meetups. The, the meetup you're talking about, we ended up renting out a soccer field and a taco truck, and we had yeah. like 600 people show up to this thing. And we drive up there, and that was the that was the trip where Jamil and I, we used to save money by just staying in the same hotel. We don't do that now, but we'd stay in the same hotel room. And homeboy, he takes weed gummies when he goes to bed at night. So he gets up in the middle of the night, comes back to bed, but he doesn't go to his bed. He comes to my bed and he's butt naked. And he lays right on top of me. And I'm like, what the freak is going on? I go, all right, dude, we're not sharing beds anymore. That was literally the next day after you saw us take off at 5 a.m. That's hilarious, bro. Yeah. yeah look, dude, the, the, the moral that I'm trying to piece together here is that the pace that you see today and, you know, all the things that he does and, you know, one of the things I admire most from you, right? I always say somebody's always watching. And, you know, I'm a 5 a.m. guy, all right? I'm not saying 5 a.m. is, you know, there's guys like you that get up at 3 or 4 or whatever. I'm a 5 a.m. guy, dude. I get up. I have my affirmations. I go to the gym. I'm in the office right after. Like, I go all the way to 8, 9 o'clock at night. That's just who I am. It seems like you're the same way, right? But I admire the fact that I want, I get up. You're two hours ahead of me. And you're already up. And I'm like, God damn it. This mother... And I'm just like, all right, well, you know what? There's two ways that you can take that. You can either take that as, oh, I don't like this guy. This is making me uncomfortable, which is what most people do. Or you can take that as, you know what? This is a dude I need to be closer to. I need to have proximity because he's leveling me up. And that's the way that I encourage anyone who's watching this to take things like that. And 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 if there's always somebody that you can watch and his consistency is not trying to blow sunshine up your ass, but it's really true because even five years ago, I remember you're like, yeah, dude, we, we can't go out tonight because we got to jet out of here to go do a ma uh, to go do a meetup in Orlando. And I remember you going around 200 plus days out of the year or whatever it was. And this dude put up work for three, four years. And dude, at that time, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think you had like 40,000 followers or something. It was something like uh, five five years ago, probably forty thousand. Seven years ago, I had three thousand. You know, and and uh, was nobody. I was a nobody, and and still in my mind, I'm like, I'm still a nobody. I'm still a dude that's just grinding it out, trying to figure it out. Like I take notes in the morning of like, what are the things I failed at yesterday, and what did I learn from it? And I take all these notes, and 
I'm not working all the time, but I am working all day. And what I mean by that is like this morning I'm, I'm up at three. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to be. Sometimes. Yeah. Touch on that. Touch on that. I don't, I don't want to be, but when you have, you also have family values. You want to have children. You want to have a wife and spend good time with them. A lot of people will make the excuse of, I don't have enough time. And I go, okay, well, here's, here's the thing. I could complain my whole life and say, I don't have enough time. Or I could complain my whole life and say, I'm a little bit tired throughout the day. And guess what? I choose to just be a little bit tired. I sleep less and it sucks. And I've trained my body to need a little bit less sleep than the average person. Most people are like eight, nine hours. I'm like, if I could get five and a half hours, I'm solid. Like go to bed at 9.30, wake up at three. I, I'm, I'm good. I can operate and I can do that for six, seven days in a row. Sometimes I'll catch up and get a full eight hours sleep. But I just choose to sleep to be a little bit nauseous throughout the day, okay? <laughs> and I do that because it's the only time that I can research, I can read, I can answer my Slack messages. For some of you guys that don't have massive teams, you might not have a Slack. Slack is a better tool than email and all that kind of stuff. It Slack kills awesome. my, my text messages and my email. Slack's great. Yeah. And so I answer Slack messages. I research what other people are doing. I get inspired. And then boom, five o'clock. I'll get one of my daughters wakes up and I'll hang out with her from five to like 545 while mom's sleeping. And then mom wakes up at six. I pass the girl back. I get back into a thing. I start talking to my bookkeeper on East Coast time because she's in Florida. And, you know, you're integrating your life, but you're finding places that you can get the important things done. Every day as the man of my household, if I'm not improving myself two, three hours a day, then I'm robbing my children and my wife of their future. And so we all know that. And I only sadly, can figure out how to do that early in the morning. And even today, it's Saturday. I, I did this thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to give away a Prius this week. So I gave away a Toyota Prius to a guy that doesn't have a car. And tonight I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a random taco. I'm going to get a t random taco truck and I'm going to get as many people in Phoenix, Arizona to come out to this thing. And I'm going to roll up in this Toyota Prius and make this guy's day, you know? And it's like, that's a Saturday for me. Like, I don't know what else anybody else is doing on a Saturday, but that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm like, hey, if I'm going to go shoot guns, I'm shooting guns with people I'm doing deals with. If I'm going to go play uh, golf, I'm going to go play golf with people I'm doing deals with or with my family. So everything is integrated in my life because here's why. I feel like I'm playing catch up. Because from age 20 to age 30, I was a freaking worker bee. I was running, I was in a construction company that I thought I owned and, and thought I owned my future. But then when I woke up and I was like, I'm not investing, I'm not doing this, I don't have passive income. I feel like I'm playing catch up to a bad mindset that I, I had in 20 to maybe age 20 to 31, probably around there. And th that's it. I just feel like I'm playing catch up. And so other people are like, they're just complacent in their comfort. I am not, most people are addicted to comfort. I'm addicted to growth because I know what comfort feels like and I know how it shows up. And so do you, Will. Like you you talked about losing all that weight. That's because you got comfortable. Money hit your bank account. Let's go get the nice steak dinners with the truffle butter and the this and the wine. <laughs> and the da, 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 da. I've done it too. Believe me, I've been there. And you get comfortable and you're like, isn't this what I was supposed to be doing with my life? Like I wasn't, wasn't I supposed to hit a point and then I, I relax. Then when you do that, which you and I have both done, and you do it for a long enough time, you go, oh shit, that's actually the trap. Yeah. What you have to do is figure out what works for you and what, what doesn't work for you. So some of you guys are like, 
I don't have time. No, you're a bitch. You do have time. <laughs> Agree. I, I told this guy, there was this guy DMing me one day. He's like, you're so full of shit. Nobody, not everybody has the same amount of time as you because you, you don't have a job and you don't have a this. And I was like, all right, I will bet you $10,000 that if I fly to you and I shadow you for a week and I, I got my notepad, okay, I got my pen and I just sit there silently and I watch you for a week, I can guarantee you I can find 20 to 30 inefficient hours that you have on a weekly basis. And I probably could find that in three days. Facts. I don't need a week. And he, I, he says, he actually said, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Because when you paint that picture of like somebody watching you like a fly on the wall and you Facts. realize all the time you're wasting on stupid shit, even, even not even watching TV. People say like, oh, I'm watching Netflix. Dude, I watch Netflix every night with my wife. We'll watch a show, 30, 40 minutes. I enjoy that stuff. You should be doing that stuff. What I'm talking about is, is your day time blocked with a little bit of buffer? Like, you know, Will, you said, all right, I do my affirmations. I do my this. I go to the gym. I have a little bit of buffer. I can stop by the gas station, maybe sit at Starbucks for 10, 15 minutes. Like, it's not like I'm every minute is regimented. Sure. Definitely every two-hour block is. I know what I'm doing every two hours and I might have 30 minutes of screw around time where I can scroll social media, but most people are scrolling social media four hours a day, playing video games two hours a day, watching Netflix, screwing around, sitting in their car going, trying to motivate themselves to do the thing that they're supposed to be doing. And they don't do it. So it's like literally eight to 10 hours a day is completely wasted in most people's lives. Agreed hundred percent, man. And, and, and then they, then they, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had a lot of people. There's a lot of people in my life that, I'm very quick at cutting people out of my life. Like if, if you're not depositing into my life, you're out. It, it will not last very long. And a lot of people look at me, especially in South Florida, they're like, oh, Willie's kind of a dick sometimes. He comes off kind of shrewd sometimes. He's kind of blunt. And I'm like, first of all, the person who's saying that has nothing I want. Right. Nothing I want. Nothing. Well, the thing is, it goes back to self-esteem. You know, through trial and error, you know what you bring to the table. And so when people get around you because you bring value and it's not even a question, it's like, how am I going to benefit everybody around me? Well, I'm going to make everybody money. We're going to do deals together. They're going to feel my energy. They're going to be motivated. They're going to go make money. Like I got the, the I'll give you a good example. My, I have a videographer that works for my media team and shout out, Eric. I love you. This is a good story. Eric worked as a bartender for 11 and a half years before I meet him. Oh, it's grueling. 11, yeah, but bro, he didn't know anything else. Of course. And he was like, he's like, I'm making $6,000 a year or $6,000 a month. I'm doing good. I work night shifts so I can like, do what I want to do during the day. And that was like the perfect life for him, right? Mm -hmm. So I get, he does photography on the side as like a little side hustle type of thing. You know, he's probably making $1,000 a month doing that. And he's set. He's like, I'm making 85000 a year. My wife is making forty, fifty thousand 50000 a year. We're making $150,000 a year. We're doing great. Chilling. Chilling. We're better than most people. It's like, bro, you better be. Most people suck, right? <laughs> so he, uh, I, I get a hold of him through a referral. I see his work. He did. Uh, he came over and did a TV. We did. A, we were doing a Dawn dish soap commercial for TV, and he came over and he did like behind the scenes photography. I'm like, dude, your work is amazing. Can I hire you? What do you do? Oh, I'm a bartender. You can't hire me. I, I gotta. I gotta. I'm like, I'm offering you an opportunity that will probably pay you the same, if not more. And you, he goes, yeah, but like, you know, I've been there. I'm used to it. Like that was his mindset. So I said, do me a favor. I'm going to change your life because I know everybody that comes in contact with me just because the energy I get off 
and and the opportunity I'm going out and finding, you will change just by being next to me. I promise you that. And this sure. goes for you. This is what I'm. This is why I'm drawing this parallels because it goes for you too. Which is Eric goes, all right. Well, can we like ease into it? I go, yeah. I'll give you 30 days. All you do is work for me three hours a day, and if you like working with me for three hours a day, bro, this is literally 25 months ago, okay? He goes, all right, so we did a 30-day test. Two weeks into the 30-day test, he's like, bro, you've opened my mind to things I didn't even know existed. Right. I'm going to quit my job. I go, no, 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 don't quit your job. Let's keep the 30 days up. <laughs> three days later, he goes, I can't, I can't go back there. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that interesting? I want you to remember this. You worked there for 11 and a half years, and because you met me, and in less than two weeks, you could not stand what you were dealing with. And there's a, there's a saying that I love, and the saying is, once a man's mind is opened up to new possibilities and stretched by new ideas, it can never go back to the way it was before. Once you know a new way of making money is a thing and a new way of life is a thing, you're like, oh, no way. There's no way I'm going back there. So fast forward two years later, okay? Eric has now, he did 16 deals last year as my photographer, my videographer did 16 oh, shit. deals. Yep. And, you know, he's just doing JV stuff with like my students and people in my community. Whatever. And he sold me a couple of deals and he goes, he comes to me a couple of weeks ago. He goes, all right, bro, I hate to say this to you, but I think I want to slow down on my videography and I think I want to go <laughs> more full time in real estate. And I go, good. Wow. And, and, and but why, why do I bring up this story? Because the way you are, Will, where you're telling people like, I'm not going to have you in my life if you're not going to deposit back. It's because naturally with the charisma, the, the visionary tendencies you have, the drive you have, just being within a 10-foot radius of you, you, people's lives will change significantly. I appreciate and it's not like you're just going to hand them a check for $100,000, but you might as well be because you're giving them this drive and this new way of thinking. They go, oh, damn, that's how we're supposed to act, and that's cool. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to do more. So if they're not going to deposit back into you, then hell yeah, you better be saying no to that. Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I, I you know, <clears throat> it's funny. When you do know your self-worth and when you do know to value yourself or how to value yourself, it's funny how it's almost like new lenses get put on, and you're looking at everybody, you're like, what the fuck are you doing here? Hold up a second. Yeah. Why the hell are you here? And and then you start having, you know, you might have an argument or you might have this. And then you just realize one day you're like, why am I even fighting with this? I'm like, I, I don't even need to entertain this energy. Like, what am I doing? And you know, did you ever seen the movie right? Free Guy? What? The movie? Did, did you ever see the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds? I might have. I'm not sure. Okay, so there's a scene in the movie where he's a character in a video game. That oh, yeah, 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 I do, yeah, yeah. And he gets those the sunglasses right. and he puts them on and all of a sudden he sees the world as it really is. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn. He's like, oh, this is what's really going on here is I now have a new perception, a new vantage point, and now everything's changes. So, again, like once you get your self-worth, I think a lot of people that, that, that are, if you're listening to this podcast, I would ask yourself the question, like, who are the five people I spend the most time with, listen to, hang out with, et cetera, and how much money are those people making? In, in fact, Steve Trang did this to me like seven years ago when I first met Steve Trang. And he goes, who are the people you hang out with the most? Yeah, he's great. Good old Steve. And he says, um, add them up. Take the five people. I was like, all right. I add them all up. And he goes, divide it by five and tell me how much money. He goes, add those people's income up. How much are they making? 
And I go, I don't know how much he makes. I don't know how much he makes. He's like, don't you think that's a problem that you don't have an idea of how much your best friends are making? Like, isn't that what a pack of wolves should be talking about? Yeah. And that's what I loved about Scott Oots' uh, mastermind, you know, back five years ago was that Scott Oots would get all these badasses in one room and go, all right, what are we making? How much any deals are we doing? What are you guys seeing? Let's, let's chat about this. And there was something magical when I wrote those names down, saw the income, divided it by five. I was like, oh crap, that actually is my exact income. Like you almost, that number is exactly what my income is. The five guys, when you're listening to a podcast like this, write those names down. Find out how much they're making, take a guess if you have to, and then divide it by five. And I can guarantee you within 10% one way or the other, that is actually your income. You literally make the same amount of money as the people you freaking hang out with and you, you're mentored by, you spend time with, you do things with. And so you have to know your worth and why. It's because you will then give yourself permission to leave a group of friends that's not doing value to you or your family because you know what you bring to the table. But if you don't know your self-worth, you're going to have to go through the bullshit that, that Will and I had to go through of six, seven, eight years to wake up and go, oh, I got a different set of glasses on now. I have to change all the relationships in my life, but not in a ha an awesome, you know, not angry way. I have to do it like, get the out of here. You get, you're out of here and you're out of here and you're out of here. Yeah. When it should have just been, I wouldn't have, I shouldn't have let those people in my life in the first place. Agreed. What on that topic, you've reached heights that, I know you don't feel like, hey, I still got a, a lot of runway to go. And and I feel the same exact way. Um, but you've reached by by a lot of people's measure, especially most everybody who's listening to this. You reach some heights that are like, wow, right? It's almost the gap is so big that it, it looks perceived unattainable by a lot. But yeah, today, what keeps you going? Because you have a shit ton of comfort around you. You do not have to work ever again if you ever wanted to. I'm sure, right? From a financial perspective. Now, you might go nuts and kill yourself because yeah, yeah. you don't know what to do with yourself. But from a financial perspective, you're good. Your family's good. Generations will be great. You got beautiful kids. You're a beautiful wife. I mean, you've, you've done it, right? What keeps you going? What keeps you going up at 3 a.m. and all those things? Um, I realized about five years ago, um, I had a girl on my team. So I... And this is this comes up a lot. This happened to me a couple of months ago, but I had a girl on my team. She was one of my transaction coordinators. I now have nine transaction coordinators. That tells you how much business we're doing. I saw that. And um, I have two. It's it's dude. If you have, I mean, you have two transaction coordinators. You're doing deals, right? Like yeah. you got a lot going on. So the one of the girls on my team, we're in a group chat with all the t the girls that are all our TCs, and one's a notary. So that's our tenth person. We have a full time notary. And uh, Alyssa is her name. She sends a text message out to the group chat. She says, Pace, thank you for dreaming so big that my dream can live inside of yours. Wow. Somebody brought that up to me six years ago, five years ago. Somebody else on my team, they're no longer with me. And her name is Anna Martinez. She was running my project management for my construction company. And when she came on board in my company nine, 10 years ago, she, was le she left a husband who was beating her took her kids, left California, came to Arizona, didn't know anything about construction. I gave her an opportunity. Four years later, I bought her a house with Creative Finance and handed her the keys. And she sends me a text and she's like, the fact that you dream so big that my dreams can live inside of your dreams, 
tells you what your purpose is is in life. So I look at it and I go, forget about the money I make. Like our companies generate a lot of money. We have a we have a lot of revenue, which is great. A lot of cash flow, a lot of assets, a lot of blah 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 blah. Who cares, right? But what I care about more the most is that out of 600 employees we have, how many meals, how many backpacks, how many things are we paying for for these kids that these parents are working for us can produce for their kids? So check this out. This is a really true story. Had a carpet guy call in sick, okay? And we had this house we were trying to get done. You know, you're always trying to get a house done. So we had a, we find a guy that was on another person's crew. And he says, I'll work weekends. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll prove myself. And all right, here's what happens. I go to the house and I'd, I've never seen this carpet guy before. Anna Martinez finds him and I'm like, oh, hey, cool. What's up? And I walk in the house and I, I go, oh, dude, your wife is here. Then I go into one of the rooms and his three kids are in the room, like watching an iPad. He's got his three kids there. His wife there is helping him like roll out the carpet, cut it with a razor blade. This family is feeding themselves on a Saturday, Sunday, working on a project that I need to get done, right? And I'm about to leave. And one of his daughters had this backpack on, okay? And she comes over and she's just like, do you like my backpack? Do you like my backpack? She's so excited about this backpack. Like, and you could tell the way it was hanging. It was like, they just bought it like sure. two days ago. It looked crispy right uh, hadn't been worn in the creases were still in it from like the box it came in all that kind of stuff and i'm about to leave I'm like okay yeah that backpack's sick i love it it's so cool and i'm giving her fist bumps and stuff like that and the father comes over to me and he is crying i'm like oh damn a man that's crying what's going on here and and i didn't i couldn't communicate with him i don't speak spanish i wish i did but i don't and that wife comes up his wife comes up and she says hey hold on a second she goes and grabs one of the other kids out of the room, their oldest kid, 13 years old, comes over and starts translating and saying, here's what's going on here. I'm like, okay, weird backpack thing with the girl and the dad's crying and I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I say something? And the 13-year-old daughter says, hey, my dad wanted to let you know that if it wasn't for this side work that he's getting on the weekends, he wouldn't have been able to buy this backpack for his daughter. Wow. And he said that he was at Target the other day and for the first time in six months of his life, he actually, his daughter asked for something at Target. He opened up his bank account on his mobile app and saw that he actually had a positive balance in his bank account. Wow. He says, I want to thank you for believing in me. And I want to thank you for letting me work on the weekends and make a side hustle. So as corny as this sounds, I realized that I was not put on this earth for myself. I was put on this earth and I was given these talents and these skills and more importantly, this desire to be consistently horrible. I'm not perfect, but I'm consistent at what at my level. And I knew that I had to wake up every single day and I'm, I'm leaving my house every day making decisions based on 600 other people's lives and the paychecks they get from my company. I love that, dude. In other words, you are living far beyond a higher purpose, which is yeah. why 3 a.m.s for you are no problem important and you know you get employees it's interesting when you get like these one-on-ones with your employees and you ask them what's your goal and they'll say, like Giselle on my media team she says to me I, I this was five days ago right years wrapping up we're doing kind of year-end meetings and I go so what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish she goes I I want to find a different house that has like a little like one bed one bath like mother-in-law suite or a little basement or something I was like oh cool you guys are gonna like expand she goes no my mom who lives with an alcoholic and she can't escape. My mom feels like she's in prison and da, 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 da. 
you know, hopefully Giselle doesn't ever hear this because no, she'd probably, she'd be okay with it. But her mom has been in a marriage that she is reliant on for the income for 20 years with an alcoholic who d won't get out of a chair and just drinks all day long. And Giselle's like, I want to provide a place for a safe place for my mom and give her a place so she can come live with me. And I realize that doesn't come from Giselle driving the company forward. That comes from me driving the company forward and figuring out how do we pay our people more money to give them opportunities to make really significant significant decisions in their lives. When they're your employees will make decisions on when to have babies, if to have babies, how, you know, when to get married, when to propose, all of these things will be contingent upon how good you are at running your business. And so those things drive me every single day. I want I love the emotional income from that comes from somebody texting me and saying Thanks for having a dream so big that my dream can live inside of it. That's the dopest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. I can only imagine. Today, your sub two community, you are 20,000 plus strong. Is that correct? We have about 15,000 in sub two, and we have um, 8,000 people in my Gator community. And then we have about 1,000 in my transaction coordination community. And they're, it's all the same community. We call it uh, Creative University. So they all learn creative finance to one degree or another. The Gators learn creative um, funding. They learn how to fund themselves into deals and get wedged into other people's deals. The sub two students obviously learn every, they learn everything real estate. It's not just creative finance, but obviously emphasis on creative finance. And then the transaction coordinators are like the glue that keep it all together. I love it. How can you and I do more on the Latino and the Hispanic side? Cause I love sub two. Right. I do it myself, not to your level, but I do it myself. I have a bunch, all my rentals are sub twos, all of them. Yeah, it's um, the Latino com like community is so underserved in the real estate space, and I don't know. That's a great question. You you tell me what I could do. I have a lot of people in the my Latino or a lot of Latinos in my sub two community that could teach. They could help out. They could send deals. They could do like whatever it is that you think would be a good collaboration. I'd be horrible at it because I don't speak Spanish or understand that at all. But I have a lot of people that are like, hey, I'll sell deals to, you know, Will's group or Will's whatever. Whatever you want to do, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I'd love to, man, because, I, you know, I'm putting out content in English and Spanish, and I'm front-running really being uh, a pace, if you will, but for the Latino side and all Spanish because I'm first-generation American. Uh, love it. And, you know, single mom bought her a house in 2021 from my efforts, which was awesome. And that's the kind of stuff that I want to empower. I have students that have – that have, you know, created million dollar businesses working together. And I'm, that's the proudest moment for me. You know, uh, you can make all the money you want on your own, but when you do it with somebody else or you watch somebody else do it, um, with your help, that's a whole different game changer in, in that regard. Yeah. And that community is super underserved. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I would love to connect more on it. Look, dude, just to wrap this up where you are today, where you were, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, you've lived like, I think we both lived multiple lifetimes within the whole business uh, iteration to where we are today, which makes us who we are. What would you say to someone who is listening to this and says, dude, these guys talked about a lot of slick shit. It's awesome. I feel fired up, but we both know an hour after hearing this video, the motivation is going to decline. What do you say to somebody like that just to get started? It takes longer than you think, it's harder than you think, and it's more worth it than you ever thought. And 
be, the person that you become is actually the financial freedom you're looking for. And a lot of people are like, oh, Pace is rich and this, that, and the other. And they got rentals. And, you know, Will's talking about his rentals and his team. And I've, that's not the that's not the glory and that's not the financial freedom. Here's what I I consider financial freedom. You take everything from me, my clothes, my phone. I could be naked, maybe wearing some, you know, some chonies. Maybe I'm like in the middle of a cornfield just wearing some boxers in freaking Arkansas and you drop me in the middle of nowhere. Knowing how to make money in one day, significant money in one day, just because of what I've learned and gone through is actually financial freedom. It's the option to make money without anything in my pockets. In fact, not even having pockets. And so you get this newfound freedom and more importantly, this confidence that you can walk around and look at life a little bit differently and be empowered. And that comes through struggle. It doesn't come through accomplishment. It comes through struggle, right? There's a reason why the race, like I did the Spartan race recently, and the Spartan race was 14 miles up and down this mountain, crazy, 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 crazy. feel like you're gonna have a heart attack the whole entire time. There's a reason why the race was 14 minutes, but crossing the finish line was two seconds. Right. Is because the, the accomplishment itself is not what you're doing. The, what you're trying to do is go through the hard things. So people that are out there avoiding the hard things, the reason why people like Will, myself, and other people on his podcast have won and are winning and will continue to win is I will literally write down the hard things that I've been avoiding. And I will, I, I go by this motive all, all, the, all the time. I say, the magic you're looking for is in the work you are avoiding. Oh, that's powerful. Say that one more time. I said, the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. I love that. So whatever, whatever the thing is, you, you're looking for magic. You're looking for your first deal. You're looking for your business. You're looking for whatever. What's the work you're avoiding and write it down. And then you have to look at that every day and go, this is, what, this is the reason why I haven't been successful is because I keep avoiding doing these, this thing because I'm a, afraid of something. What am I afraid of? I typically look at it as five fears. Okay, There's five fears and it breaks down to the acronym of fears. F is fear of failure. I'm afraid to fail. I love failure because I know it's the it's the mother of education. Then it's fear of embarrassment. E, oh my gosh, I'm a, I I don't want people to think I'm a failure and da, da, da. so you will literally do do or not do something based on somebody else's opinion of you. Fear of abandonment. Okay, if you do fail, you'll be embarrassed, and the person you're with or the person you're trying to attract will abandon you. You had some childhood trauma. R, fear of rejection. Okay, somebody telling you no and no and no and no and no over and over and over. And then finally, one that I would say Will probably struggles with and I struggle with for sure is the fear of success. Mm. You will grind so long and be around people in your early days that when you do start seeing momentum, you will self-sabotage yourself because you'll trick yourself that you don't deserve it because, hold on. The grind looks like this, and the people I, that I was with for the longest time, they look like this. Why do I believe I deserve the next level and the next thing and the next relationship? I sabotaged myself in my 20s, my early 30s. Even when I met really high-level people in the last four or five years, I would cancel meetings with them that they requested because I was afraid of the success I would have if I met that person. You will self-sabotage yourself until you just realize the work Okay, the work that you are avoiding is what is, is where the magic is. So you got to do the hard work. 
And, and Will, you do it every day. You wake up every morning on a Saturday yourself, Sundays yourself, and you think about your business. You, you stress about your business. And then you go and you do the work. And guess what? There's times where I go, I go, I'm like this. I look like this in the office. But right before I walked in the office, I go, I do it too, guys. It's hard. It's meant to be hard. That's why there's 99% and 1%. And the way to get into a 1% is go like this. Put a smile on your face. Shut the F up. Do your job. Do the hard thing every single day. And you will become a person you won't even recognize. I love it, dude. I, I always tell people, I say it a lot in my videos, I say, move your ass. <laughs> Every day, you should wake up with the intention of, I need to move that ass somewhere, somehow, make that call, pick up the phone, talk to somebody you don't want to talk to, uncomfortable situation, have the uncomfortable conversation, whatever it is, you need to do it. Yeah, there's a there's this really great book I would suggest everybody reads. Um, it is 38... 38 letters that John D. Rockefeller wrote to his son. These are personal letters. Nobody thought they were ever going to come out. So the grammar is a little bit horrible, but this was, this guy was worth in today's dollars, $500 billion. Today, he'd still be one of the richest. Nobody's ever amassed the wealth that this guy's ever amassed. It's insanity. Okay. Even today, if you took in, into consideration inflation and all that kind of stuff where John D. Rockefeller would be the richest man on the planet right now. Okay. Richer than Bezos, richer, richer than all them. And, and chapter one, 120 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in chapter one, he says, opportunity comes from opportunity, which it doesn't make any sense when you say it that way. But what, what I learned in my life is that every time I just went out and shook bushes and I just started moving my ass, unexpected opportunities pop up. And the entire plan you had two weeks ago, two years ago, two months ago, completely gets shattered. And so whatever plan you have, it doesn't matter. Just do anything. Shake the bushes. Go attack things. Go and do the things. Go talk to people. Go network with people. And all of a sudden, you go, oh, damn. I never even knew that was an opportunity. I'm making money today, significant money today, from relationships I built three years ago on ideas I didn't even knew existed three years ago. It, it It's the it's craziest thing. That's powerful. It's like it power. is powerful, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, listen, dude, optimism. And, and again... News versus noise. To anybody listening to this, you hear me. I say it in my videos all the fucking time. I was a Wall Street guy before. But news versus noise. Noise is, oh my God, the market's going to crash. The interest rate, Jerome Powell, blah, 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 Biden and Trump. And blah, blah, blah. That's all noise, dude. News is, hey, interest rates got cut down. They're coming down. Mortgage rates are coming down. More than likely, inventory is going to spike up prices are or inventory is going to you know shoot up and prices are going to come up a little bit that's news just be careful what you're listening to though noise somebody asked me the other day who who do you listen to and i said i listen to people who actually do deals that's right like if you're if you're going on youtube i would go all right brandon turner i would go ken mcelroy i would go to a lot of, I, I would make sure that they've talked about recent assets that they've acquired businesses that they're actually running, not people. I'm sorry. I love, I love Graham Stephan. We've become friends over the last couple of years, but I look at Graham Stephan. I'm like, you're not buying real estate. Like I want to, if I'm at, I'm going to ask the, the, if I want to go fishing and I want to know where the best fishing hole is, am I going to go to the Bureau of Fish and Land and, and Wildlife Management? Or am I, am I going to go to the fisherman that catches the fish? 
I'm going to go to the fisherman that's catching the fish, not where the news comes from. I'm going to go to the person that's in the river catching the fish. So same thing. Talk to the people who are actually in wholesale, fixing and flipping and, and creative finance. Talk to the people who are actually doing the deals. And if they can't come up with an address or a HUD, every YouTube video I've ever done about a deal, a settlement statement is in my description link. You can download it and see that my numbers, they're not always right. I'll say $2,400. It might be $2,412, right? But I'm not going to say that. Learn from people that are doing the deals and that's where you should be getting your news from because they're actually standing in the river catching the fish. Too many people nowadays, man, in our industry specifically, are out there feeling, feeding people full of shit with all the little flash and pizzazz. And I'll be the first one to call them out. We won't say any names here, but we know who we're talking about that haven't done a fucking deal in the last five years. And they're talking so much shit. Or the new guys that have done 10 deals and all of a sudden now they're an industry expert and buy my course, et cetera, right? Yeah. And they're breaching abundance mindset but yet they don't do anything of free value giveaway ever, right? Yeah. I find that really ironic. And I know it irks me. I'm sure it irks the shit out of you um, being real. It used to. It used to. But then I, I've been in the business long enough that I look at them and they don't last. And so I just go, all right, you're not going to be around, right? Like, take, like my, I have a free Facebook group that grows 2,000 people a week. And I give every, I give so much away in this free Facebook group. And people, when people DM me and they say, how do I join your mentorship? I go, number one, I don't have a mentorship. And number two, go to my free Facebook group. You'll connect with people that are doing deals in there. They're like, great, you don't want to sell me anything? I go, no, I want to do deals with you. Last year, we bought $100 million in real estate from people that we've taught how to do this. And they came through my free Facebook group. So you look at that and you're like, all right, you know what, those, those little freaking clickbaity people with the fire behind them, like the market's crashing and I haven't done a deal in my entire life. Go, go type in house market crash. Look at the 15 people that pop up and see if they tell you the market is going to crash. And then they give you advice on how to make money during a market crash. And it's legit advice. They won't, they'll just say the market's crashing. So save your money, save your money, save your money, save your money. By the way, I have a credit repair thing. You should do this credit repair thing. It's like, teach people how to make money. Yeah. Oh, you can't because you don't make money from real estate. You make money about, from talking about real estate. So you got to be careful about who you're listening to. It is challenging. And I, there's less than five people on my, on one hand that I can count, but I'm like, you're an influencer and I will listen to you because you have a business I respect. I love it. I love it. Anyway, dude, listen, uh, it goes unsaid. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this was probably one of my favorite conversations in the recent years that I've ever had. It was real, raw, authentic. It's one of the things I respect about you. And it's just fun, dude. It's fun. You are as humble as you were five years ago when <laughs> not a lot of people knew you. And you are still, I mean, we ran into each other at the family. And you gave me a bit. I was kind of coming up to you. I was like, oh, this dude remembers me from the mastermind. And you were like, oh, dude, what's up? Damn, you've been working out. I was like, oh, my God, it's been so long. We hadn't seen each other in years. So I, I really respect the shit out of you, bro. I, I Thank mean, you, homie. I, Same I, here. I, thanks. Same here. It's, I appreciate it. And um, anytime you want to do some Hispanic stuff, shoot me a message. Let me know what, what your ideas are. I'm all down for it. I will, brother. I will. I appreciate you, and I, I wish you the best, bro. Really, you deserve it. I appreciate you, man. Take care, dude.